What are you two working towards, big picture-wise? How often do you guys talk about it? Talk can be cheap, or it can be the start of an incredible journey. Four years ago, a conversation Liz had with her husband, Nate, was a trigger to a huge dream. We both worked pretty standard nine to five, usually more than nine to five, but you know, a pretty standard uh, white collar career track job in cubicles under fluorescent lights in our offices all day, every day, every weekday. Mm-hmm. And we'd get home at night and just feel like, oh, we're drained, we're exhausted. And what have we done? We've just been sitting in an office all day. <laughs> and then you get to the weekend and it was just sort of this race to be ready again for Monday, going to the grocery store, doing the laundry, making our lunches, cleaning the house. And we thought, why, why are we doing this? What is the point of this? And can we really see ourselves on this track for the next 40 years? And I think that was what really scared us is thinking we're 30 years old at this point in 2014. And if we don't make a radical change, this is going to be our lives. And we were at that time thinking about maybe trying to have children. Mm -hmm. And we realized that's only going to compound these factors, you know, rushing around with kids is this really what we want to be doing? And the answer was no. This coffee shop conversation was really the culmination of several years of basically spending whatever money we wanted, going out to dinner all the time, enjoying city life, and recognizing that we were unhappy. And so my husband asked me, when are you happiest? And I said, when I'm hiking, when I'm in the woods hiking. And he said, well, that's, I feel the same way. So we should move to the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Less than three years later, they did. Find out how in today's episode. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, the show where we share stories and advice on building up your marriage and wealth together. I'm Elle Martinez. Support for this podcast comes from Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money Masterclass. This course is designed to help you two get on the same page with money, dump your debt faster, and get you on the path to financial freedom. Sign up for the class today and get lifetime access. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash jumpstart. What would you do if you were retired right now? How would things be different? You might expect me to say, you too can retire early with just a few easy steps. But the truth is, it's much more complicated than that. To break the cycle of consuming and working, it's going to take something very powerful. A change of your mindset, your finances, and your lifestyle. Today, Liz is here to share their journey and hopefully inspire you to examine where you can start setting that path up towards financial independence. In this episode, we get into what moved Liz and Nate to go from dreaming about financial independence to making it a reality, how they built a sustainable and enjoyable frugal lifestyle, and why do-it-yourself is not only good for your wallet, but your marriage. Before their dream became a reality, there were crucial pieces that helped Liz and Nate. We got married young at 24. And I think that there were a lot of advantages to that because we were able to really grow up together. 
And we essentially started from zero together. So when we got married, I think we had $5,000 to $8,000 to our name. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any debt. And that was pivotal for us. We both went to the University of Kansas, which is a pretty inexpensive state school. It's more expensive now. At the time that we went, it was quite cheap. And we had scholarships. We worked through college. And then our parents helped us pay for tuition, which is a hugely privileged thing to have in our lives. And we felt extremely fortunate that we came out of school without debt. And so we said, okay, we're not going to take on any debt as adults. So we're not going to have consumer debt. We're not going to have a car loan or anything like that. While Liz and Nate didn't accumulate debts like car loans or credit cards, they did see their expenses increase with their lifestyle. So we, after college, lived in New York City, Washington, D.C., Cambridge, Massachusetts. We sort of popped around pursuing our careers and really advancing in the fields that we were in, moving quite a bit, living in these very expensive urban areas. We had been living frugally and we had been really trying to focus on saving up for buying a home. And in 2012, we bought our first home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is a very expensive real estate market. It's one of the most expensive in the world. And so we were really excited that we were able to do that. And after that point, after buying that house in 2012, we really didn't have a next plan. That was kind of a dangerous time for us financially because our money was just slipping through our fingers. I think when you don't set a long-term goal and you don't have a sense of where you want to be in the next 5, 10, 20 years, it becomes very easy to spend money on clothes and lattes and nights out. And that's really what we did during that time frame. And so the realization that we had after living that way for a couple of years is that it was not making us happy. I think up to a certain point, spending more increases your happiness. I think that's an immutable truth. You know, when we didn't have a washer dryer in our home, for example, it was a big pain to go to a laundromat. So, you know, being able to afford an apartment with a washer dryer, that's a big lifestyle improvement. Being able to afford uh, to get a zip car to go to the grocery store as opposed to carrying your groceries home, huge lifestyle improvement. So there were definitely things that we realized, okay, this makes our lives better. But after a certain point, spending all this money was not delivering that commensurate boost in happiness or in well-being. Liz mentioned that this coffee shop conversation wasn't the first time they talked about their dreams. But on this particular Saturday, things were a little different. Her husband, Nate, ran the numbers and came up with a pretty ambitious plan. My husband is a very thorough researcher. (laughs) He's an engineer. He's focused on efficiency. He's focused on research. And so it was not shocking to me that he had kind of all of this material pulled together before this conversation. He often doesn't go into a situation without exhaustive research. So I wasn't surprised that he had looked at all of our financial data and done some modeling to see sort of how and when we could reach financial independence. And again, it's not as if it was the first time we talked about this, but it was certainly the time when we made the decision, okay, we want to achieve financial independence. We want to leave the city. We want to quit our jobs and we want to move to a homestead in the woods of Vermont. 
And so it was a pretty clearly articulated plan at that point. Mm-hmm. And we really made the decision to start at that moment working towards that goal and to not look back. To reach this big dream meant the two of them had to make some significant changes. While they were natural savers, the two of them still had to up the ante when it comes to their monthly budget. And so Liz and Nate went with an unconventional way of doing their budget. I have this philosophy that spending is like a gas and that it will take up as much room as you give it. And so for me, if I set a, say, $1,000 budget for myself, I'm going to spend $1,000 because I would say, oh, I have $1,000 to spend. Fantastic. On the other hand, if I say I'm going to spend $0, then from that mindset, every dollar that I do spend is a debit against that zero. So I'm really shooting myself in the foot every single time I spend money. And I don't create budgets at the beginning of each month. I just, I don't do it. It takes time. I don't like it. So for me, it's a lot easier to just say, I'm going to approach every purchase with this very thoughtful, methodical, frugally minded outlook of, do I really need this? Can I make do with something that I already own? Can I borrow it from a friend? Can I find it used? And I sort of go through this whole track of decision-making before actually making a purchase. And in that way, frugality is just a wholesale incorporation of the way that we live. Okay. So you hear this budget and you're thinking, this is way too drastic. Your budget might look different. You have a different philosophy. Liz and Nate, of course, were looking to retire very soon. So their savings rate had to be high. But a lot of these principles are still applicable to all of us. Because they weren't looking for frugality just to save money. Liz and Nate were finding those lines that they could draw where they could be frugal in a sustainable and, yes, enjoyable manner. So the way that we approached extreme frugality at the beginning was to cut out absolutely everything that was not totally necessary from our budget. So we said, okay, we have to pay our mortgage. We have to pay utility bills. We have to buy groceries. Beyond that, what do we actually have to buy in a month? And so we eliminated every single thing that was not a strict necessity. And I should say groceries are not expensive groceries are not a necessity. So we reduced our grocery bill down to around $300 for the two of us from, I don't know what it was before, like $900 or $1,000, something ridiculous. So we eliminated or reduced every single category. And then we let that sit for a while. We experienced what that felt like for a couple months. And then we made concerted and very strategic decisions to add luxuries back in. I think it's really important that you spend in service of your long-term values, but it's also very important that you live a life you enjoy. There would really be no point in me reaching financial independence if I didn't enjoy my life because it's all about enjoying how you're using your time and your money. And so it's a question of where can I get at that point, that tipping point where I'm maximizing efficiency, I'm maximizing my savings, but I also am getting a very high return 
on um, the investments that I do make in terms of happiness. And so the decisions that we made to spend a little bit more money were all areas where we felt, you know, we get a lot of benefit from this. And so a good example is uh, the seltzer water. We drink sparkling water, which is a total luxury. You could just drink tap water for free. Um, and we originally were buying two liter bottles of seltzer from the grocery store, expensive, bad for the environment, heavy to carry home. Then we got a soda stream machine with inserts, which is a little bit less expensive. Then my husband had this idea that we could hack the soda stream and use a 20 pound CO2 tank. Okay. That so sounds like an engineer. That, <laughs> yes. But I have to say, it's not that hard. I actually have written out on Fugal Woods, the step-by-step -step process, because it's actually quite simple to do. And then we realized that we didn't need to buy our CO2 tank from the fancy hipster homebrew store. We can get it from the welding supply store because it's the exact same tank mm. too. And so we reduced our costs even further. So that's a really good example of having what we enjoy, but being creative and being inventive and really enjoying the process of reducing the price. So it's maintaining those luxuries, but paying less. And I have to tell you, this comes to bear in so many different categories. If you just bring some creativity and some thoughtfulness to the expenses that you have, you will be able to reduce your spending in every single category. And this habit of thoughtfully reviewing your expenses time to time can be so powerful. I know my priorities and values have shifted as we've both grown in our marriage and as a family. So reallocating that money helps us reach our goals faster. Another conversation you guys might want to have is talking about doing some do-it-yourself projects. They might not be the most convenient, but they can bring some lasting benefits not only to your finances, but your marriage. Researchers have documented this as the IKEA effect, that people actually do deliver a, or actually do receive a higher level of happiness from projects they do themselves than from projects they hire people to do. So even if the results aren't as good as a professional's, you will actually take greater satisfaction in things you've done yourself. And I find that coming to bear in all sorts of different areas. And I think the time versus money argument is often a fallacy because people say, oh, well, I make more in an hour than I do uh, cleaning my house. And so I should hire someone to clean my house. Okay. But my question is, what are you then doing with the time you've saved? Are you watching Netflix? <laughs> are you going out to dinner? Or are you really and truly working 24 hours a day? Because I, I think it's very enlightening when we do an audit of our time. And so I'm a big advocate for auditing your time in addition to auditing your expenses. Because for me, frugality and simple living is about how I use my time and my money. It's not just a question of money. So I don't do stuff that I don't enjoy doing or that takes up a bunch of time. Uh, so I don't wear makeup. I don't fix my hair because I don't get a high return on that investment of time. It's just not worth it to me. Conversely, I do clean my own house because if I'm honest with myself, if somebody else was cleaning it, what would I be doing with that time? Probably not anything terribly productive. So I'm always really hesitant about that per hour cost calculation. Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times you'll find, oh, I'm not actually using that time extremely productively. And there are variations. You have to figure out what works for you. There's no one mm -hmm. size fits all. 
also, there are a lot of examples where frugality is going to save you time and money. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite examples are haircuts. My husband and I cut each other's hair at home and it's free. So that's fantastic. That's thousands of dollars saved every year, you know, compounded hundreds of thousands of dollars on haircuts over the course of our lifetime. And it saves a tremendous amount of time. So when I would go to the fancy salon for my $120 haircut, Mm -hmm. I had to call and make an appointment. Then I had to walk there, drive there, take the bus there, sit there, have my haircut, commute back home. That's about three hours of time. Now it takes my husband, I think we timed it. It's like 13 minutes to cut my hair. That is a fantastic return on investment. It's free and it takes 13 minutes. Please, like I can do this while my child is napping. You know, this is really ideal. So I think there is this misconception that frugality takes more time. It really doesn't. If you're doing it right, it really Mm -hmm. does not. It saves you tremendous amounts of time. And I, again, I see that across the whole spectrum of things that we do with our lives. And as you alluded as well, these things become hobbies. So, you know, we have a 66 acre homestead. Our examples are kind of extreme, but even when we lived in the city, doing home repairs ourselves and doing DIY projects, that was really fun. And it brought us closer in our marriage it also builds your skills. So when you learn how to refinish kitchen cabinets, let's say, you now have that skill for the rest of your life and you can use that in many different outlets versus if you hire somebody to do it, you're not learning anything new. And this habit of thoughtfully reviewing your expenses time to time can be so powerful. I know my priorities and values have shifted as we've both grown in our marriage and as a family. So reallocating that money helps us reach our goals faster. Another conversation you guys might want to have is talking about doing some do-it-yourself projects. They might not be the most convenient, but they can bring some lasting benefits, not only to your finances, but your marriage. So I think it's very easy when we come up with these huge plans to think, oh, you know, maybe I'll do that next year, or maybe I'll wait until my next paycheck, or this probably isn't really a good time to start on this. We just started right away because there's, there's nothing to gain in waiting. All you're doing is building yourself up for regret and letting yourself sort of fester in unhappiness. Special thanks to Liz for sharing their story and journey. If you want to dig in deeper with how they simplified their lives, please pick up Liz's new book, Meet the Frugal Woods. It's a really fun read. As always, I'll have the resources, links, and information so you can get started on your own path to financial independence in the show notes. I've included a link to the Uber Frugal Challenge, which shares how Liz and Nate were able to increase their savings rate with their extreme but sustainable frugality. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash financial independence together. Our theme song was written and performed by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere and Music for Makers. And if you want to stay on top of the podcast, the videos, articles, make sure you're subscribed to Couple Money. 
I send out weekly updates with everything we release, as well as some behind-the-scenes stuff and exclusive offers. Plus, it's free. It's over at couplemoney.com join. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care. Take care.